I'm Brian Foster, and this is the Grindhouse Institute. On each episode of this podcast, Jeremy Floyd and I program a triple feature movie night. Each of the movies share common themes, and we discuss them here. We're happy you could join us for today's block we call Kurosawa Noir. While we've touched on his work in previous episodes, we have barely scratched the surface of what Akira Kurosawa has achieved in cinema. While most know him for his work in the world of the samurai period piece, Kurosawa's library of work extends beyond that singular genre. Today we'll be taking a look at three Kurosawa films that fall squarely within the film noir category. Utilizing the classic visual and pulp style that is indicative of the genre, Kurosawa is able to comment on his own experiences within Japanese culture while providing a masterclass in noir storytelling. After his sidearm is stolen and is connected to multiple shootings, a young and inexperienced detective works with a veteran on the force to locate the stolen weapon from the depths of post-war Tokyo's slums and seedy criminal underworld. Toshiro Mifune and Takashi Shimura team up in 1949's Stray Dog. After the mysterious suicide of one of its high-ranking executives, Public Corporation finds itself squarely in the crosshairs of the media and the secretary to the vice president, who may or may not be who he says he is. Toshiro Mifune is on the revenge path in 1960's The Bad Sleep Well. Kingo Gondo, a wealthy shoemaker, is forced to make a no-win decision when a kidnapper mistakenly abducts his chauffeur's son. Paying the ransom may save the boy, but would financially ruin Gondo's family. Toshiro Mifune must work with Tatsuya Nakadai to save the boy in 1963's High and Low. Thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute. Please enjoy. どうしたんですか All right, welcome back to the Grindhouse Institute. I'm your host, Brian Foster, and with me as always is Jeremy Floyd. Hello, and how are you? Mushmushi. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've been studying my Japanese since the last time we did it. All Japanese uh, episode. So clearly we're doing some Japanese movies today. <laughs> a very exciting uh, show that... Um, Focuses on a genre of Kurosawa films that I did not even know that he had even attempted to create. Like, this is, um, it was amazing to see these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are focused on Kurosawa's noir films, three of them specifically. Um, from 1949, we've got Stray Dog, 1960s The Bad Sleep Well, and 1963's High and Low. Yet again, movies that I have never heard of. <laughs> I'm so glad we could talk about them today, and talking about them with us is a very special guest. Jeremy, would you like to do the intro? Yeah, um, been wanting to try and get uh, this guy on for a little while here. Buddy of mine, uh, storyboard artist, uh, illustrator, uh, and uh, appreciator of all things Kurosawa, David Green. 
Hello, everybody. I'm David Green. I've known Jeremy for a while. I haven't seen him in a while, but we do <laughs> chat every once in a while online like everybody else, you know. But, yeah, we were going back and forth about movies, and he asked me, and I said, sure. And, like, I only hadn't seen one of these films. <laughs> so you're a Kurosawa fan before this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I just want to say that um, as someone that knows Kurosawa, I just knew him as the guy that films samurai films. Not that the, yeah. <laughs> I'm downplaying that in any way. Those are great films. But this shined a whole new light on this artist's um, techniques and um, what he can accomplish from different genres. Uh, I was yeah. absolutely blown away by these three films. This was an excellent block. Kurosawa is interesting my, from my experience because I had seen magnificent seven first and i'd seen the fistful of dollars first and i in a way didn't want to watch you know yajimbo or mm. seven samurai because i thought it would diminish what i loved about those pictures so it took me years to watch those films my first kurosawa film is actually straight up oh wow yeah and then <laughs> um and so i was but i hadn't seen it in like 20 years so re-watching it it still held up you know yeah. still very good mm-hmm. um but like no kurosawa is um once I got on a roll of watching his films, I was floored by his level of storytelling and pacing and especially blocking the way he could yes. put the characters and he'll have eight characters on screen moving around and each one of them is doing something significant. Yeah. I mean, what, in, in one take. Right. One exactly. Take. A lot of, a lot of oneers, um, and Jeremy, you've brought this up before the oneers that you can't, you don't notice that they're oneers, right? right? That, right. that happens so smoothly. And that's exactly what he achieves. That's patience that in a lot of directors, I always say, I'm so critical of a lot of modern films because I say, <laughs> if you're going to make a move, it's not something you, you need to make a move. And we, we, we shouldn't know what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to do a flash, cause you can do a flashback, you can do flashbacks within flashback, but the, the, uh, I don't think we should know what's happening. It's, it should just happen naturally. And then you go, Oh, wait a minute. That's a flashback and a flashback. Who does that? You know, but some, you see it now in movies and it's, it's jarring, you know, I mean, I mean but, high and high and low at times felt like a, a stage play. They had so many yeah. people on screen, well positioned in these like yes. geometric patterns and everyone was in focus. <laughs> right. Like the first, maybe half an hour was, was kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. They were in that house, mainly that primarily the living room for about an hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the house, moving all the characters in and out. I mean, that was really incredible because I mean, I remember watching that one and like that, I'd seen that one a little later. And then, cause one of my buddies it was funny. He had told me they had made a, a movie about a kid getting kidnapped in the nineties. And like one of my buddies, who's a huge Kurosawa guy, he was one of the guys that got me into Kurosawa. He went ballistic when he saw the trailer for this other film, and he told me, "No, you got to watch this high and low, high and low." What it's really about, and, and I was—he was so passionate about it. I watched it, and I was like, "Wow!" Because he keeps up in the ante. He's right. this this calculating businessman, and like he's going to double cross these guys. He's. It looks like his kid is getting kidnapped, and you're like, "Oh man, his kid is kidnapped." Of course, he's going to get the money. Then it's the driver. <laughs> so then there's the moral dilemma, and it's not easy. It's not an easy decision. And that was my friend's argument about this other movie. He's like, "Of course, it's his kid. Of course, it's going to be an easy dilemma." Right, right. If, if you're talking about like maybe like a you know, ransom or something like that, it's a, it's very similar to High and Low. Yeah. But you're right. It, it, it's his own kid, so it's like it, it doesn't have that same level of. 
um, the same level of like a, a measure of his character, the way that it does in High and Low. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How do you how do you resolve this? Because it was it, it's it's kind of a, a die or die situation for him. The kid is going to potentially get killed from this kidnapper, and mm-hmm. if he pays the money, he himself financially is dead in the it's hole. Ruined. Yeah. Yeah. Ruined. Yeah. I mean, he, he mortgaged everything he he had to like to do this uh, buyout and, of the company. And all that was on one one check. <laughs> all of them, the mortgage. They kept saying, see, yeah. he mortgaged everything. It was like in this little... Yeah. <laughs> no, it's brilliant the way the Kurosawa would ask those questions. You right. Know? And he asks deeper questions, ambiguous, nu- nuanced, and subtle. You know, because a lot of times it's just all in black and white, and Kurosawa didn't do that. You know, I remember, I think... I mean, I mean, we don't, I mean, we could go all day on this because I, and I don't want to even get into <laughs> the samurai stuff because that's a whole other podcast, but like totally. all the, all the moral dilemmas in, 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 uh, the samurai stuff, you know, is like, and just to call it samurai stuff, like underrates it, you yes. know, for sure. <laughs> but the way he positions his camera, the way he blocks, mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing I'll say is, and okay, I want to just say, because he does this a lot, and Ron, he, there's a character that they keep expressing over and over again. They keep saying, Lady Sue is beautiful. They mm-hmm. keep saying how beautiful she is. Everyone says, whenever they discuss a character, they say she's beautiful. They never have a close-up of her. Yeah, That's right. Ball. That's <laughs> ball. Forestal is just like, yeah, that's how I'm going to do it. Because what's going to live up to those expectations that, that have been set up, you know? Right. I don't think he he relies too much on the close-up at all in these films, especially these three. I mean, these are all wide shots of of this action. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to do that, right? However, it 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 moves a lot. So, like when they learn about the kidnapping in High and Low, it starts off, uh, you know, him sort of like walking toward camera to answer the phone, and then it's like, what? And you know. the, the, they kind of push in on on his ear. His wife jumps up and and listens to it on 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 uh, the other side. And then as he stands, his wife like moves to the other side so she can keep hearing what's on the phone. And like, but they they move in and out of that really close to camera, sort of a close up, and then you know in into like these wide spaces, uh, you know, all in sort of one shot. But it feels like several setups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like you know how we were talking about um, Brian, how we were talking about. Um, Indiana Jones the other day with uh, with Raiders how you know there are all those moments especially during the you know the drinking contest yes. right where it's mm-hmm. like it, it it's like you know 14 different setups but all in, in in one shot but it it feels like you're going through and like cutting to all of those shots yeah, yeah. no edits at all <laughs> as opposed to like you know having it be i don't know what a, a show off you want or it's it's the editor's dream and the cinematographer's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he did these crazy things where he would move, like you're talking about him on the phone and close on him and his wife's here, and then hanging in the corner on the edge is the is the uh, the the chauffeur, and he's looking yeah, terrified. Yeah, yeah. So you have all these elements. You have the tension. You have support, and then you have absolute terror. You know, often and the yeah. guy, and then he has his his little, his assistant guy who's the snake, you know, and he's just lingering. Yeah. Too. <laughs> but, but like, no, Kurosawa is, I mean, just his the attention to detail, and like I said, it has to be stuff if it's profound that you don't notice really the first time. Sure. You're just kind of watching. 
you know and like if he does a close-up it's deliberate yeah it's for a reason how do i get you if i'm if i'm if i'm if like if i'm cutting here now it's because i i need you to look at this you know and kubrick i mean sorry kurosawa yeah. mm-hmm. was and kubrick's another guy who was like that too but it was very very deliberate it's no fat he wasn't wasting time think about it he never really ever did handheld but he did handheld on the on the train and that's the first time i noticed it i was like oh my god mm-hmm. he's using hand mm-hmm. Because everybody does these sloppy, shaky handheld shots now. But I, <laughs> I think there was there was yeah, some in Stray Dog, um, and I, I mean, if we could if we could go to that one real quick, um, that one felt a little bit different than these films, and felt more like it was almost like off the tripod a little bit, mostly because when um, yes, uh, Mifune's lead character when he's kind of in that seedy underworld to try to find where that gun dealer might be or where the dealings yeah. might happen, where he could find his cult. Um, there's these, you know, shots of him walking through the the streets. There's yeah. some that are following him. And it kind of is this like interesting mix of like a really well composed, like dolly shot. And then there's that like handheld shaky to kind of give, I would assume a bit of unease there was definite yes. inten- intention behind everything he did. Nothing felt exactly. like a stolen shot, you know? Exactly. Right. Or just, you know, I don't know what to do, so I'll put slow motion. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's funny because when I, when I storyboard, I'm like, sometime I've, sometimes everyone else, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've amazed the director, and they're asking me about where are my shots, and I just go, I, I just go old movies. <laughs> You know, usually it's just old movies and it and like David Fincher, because he's my favorite right now. David Fincher is like my favorite director. So um, but usually, yeah, just setups. I like setups like that. Mm-hmm. I like deliberate setups that like if the camera moves or if it's cut or if it's a close up, well, A, you don't notice it. And B, it's for a reason. You yeah. know, it's not just I mean, think of the thousand setups they would have if um this was like a lesser right. skilled director and just trying <laughs> to show the tension in the house, just the phone all the cutting like, yeah. to cutting to the driver, cutting to the cops, cutting to them. I mean, literally cutting to them, setting up, you know, recording the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the kidnappers, you know, they have all these inserts of them pressing buttons on the phone. Speaking of sort of the, the, the like the Fincher idea, like in, mm. in high and low, they had, you know, in, especially in that first hour, like we're talking about where it's like, uh, from the the Gondo character, the the Tashiro Mafuni character, from from his perspective, I mean, there were all these like moments where it was like these really long takes, uh, and apparently like what they were doing was they were, you know, shooting with either two or three cameras, uh, to capture all those those moments, and then they would you know cut around when they need to, uh, but they would they would try to do the the sort of whole you know eight nine minute scenes. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just capture them all that way. And apparently that's, that's also the way, uh, Fincher works, uh, is you yeah. know, to run these really long scenes and then, um, you know, you know, sort of cut around those things. Yeah. Just to, to kind of set the table on, on this discussion on these three movies in particular, uh, you know. Kurosawa only did a, a few, I mean, he did something like 30 movies and maybe uh, maybe eight of them were sort of set in his own time, right? Yes. And these three sort of fit into this film noir thing. Maybe we could have also included Drunken Angel in that. Um, but 
you know, they all had this uh, sort of cynicism to them mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, this idea that, like, sort of, you know, a critical gaze. You know, part of the thing about film noir is that, like, a lot of film noirs were made by, you know, European expats who had to, you know, flee Germany and, and all these things. Yeah. And they would be looking at American society uh, through this different lens. And they'd be, be able to be more critical about it than perhaps uh, those who were sort of uh, born and raised here. Kurosawa was sort of able to do that with his own culture, you know, right. without, without yeah. having to have that remove. Um, and, and in these three in particular, I feel like, you know, high and low, it's probably one of my favorite Kurosawa movies. It's, it's tough because, you know, <laughs> he's made so many good ones. Uh, but uh, th- this one's definitely up there. But what's great about this one is that, like, the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie, they, they feel kind of like different movies. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. the first half is The Bad Sleep Well, and the second half is Stray Dog. And it's like, you know, so like, right. the, the way that they all yeah. kind of, uh, you know, come together uh, worked out a little more perfectly than I had a, had anticipated when we first talked about this one. Yeah, it's funny because I was, I mean, I'd seen Stray Dog and um, and High and Low, The Bad Sleep Well, I had not seen before. Mm-hmm. I, I actually have started it. I started it years ago. I, I got uh-huh. through the wedding and then I, I just just didn't never didn't finish it. And this time I, I actually finished it. And like what I did like was, you know, of course I was really good at at, at setups, callbacks, and then and then payoffs. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because one of my buddies had told me, because I come out of every movie complaining, and my because I'm I'm a visual designer, <laughs> so I'm 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 not a writer, I'm a visual designer. And he just he just, we were coming out of like the 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 most critically acclaimed whatever. And I was complaining, <laughs> and he just simply said, "You hate exposition." Ah, okay. A lot of times when you're watching a sci-fi movie now, the sci-fi guys get this effects guys get an insane amount of, you know, they get a, a budget that's insane, and then they can show off, and then they'll put the character, they'll put a character in there, and he's impressed by what he's seeing too, and he can't believe mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, well, if you live in this world, <laughs> right? You know, and then they got to start explaining it. Yeah, it should be. No, I mean, yeah. So he explained to me how much I hate exposition, and I and I thought he was absolutely right because one of my favorite things in the Bad Sleep Well was the opening, is during the wedding, and I hope I mean I'm, this is a spoiler. I'm ruining. Spoil this. away. So she's walking. The the, the bride to be is walking, mm-hmm. and she's walking funny, but we don't know why yet. The reporters are watching her. And they're they're watching her walk that walk by. Then they look down. We cut, and we see her foot. Mm-hmm. That that is just awesome. I mean, that's how you do <laughs> right. That. It's a visual medium, right? Yeah. Exactly, because it's a it's perfect for that. Because I think a lot of times, if you, it's because then we get to the expedition, then we see her fall. We see Tashira Mafuni try to catch her, and everybody's trying to help mm-hmm. her. Up. Then they explain it, and they're they're telling kind of awful jokes about his intentions and this that and the other. That's how you do that, you know. And a lot of because like I always say, the greatest exposition ever is Big Trouble in China when Jack Burton is on the way to 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 do things at the beginning of the film. It basically starts. He's gambling, and then wangles some money, and then they're going to go to his house. Then they go to the airport, and that during the ride. 
they're explaining it, you don't even notice it. Then this girl gets kidnapped. Then they got to go after this gang. And then he's explaining right. it. And you're, then you're already in it. Yeah, exactly. They're in it and they're explaining it. You don't notice it. I always say the check's in the mail. <laughs> yeah, all of that. All of that. I, I, I mean, I just think that that is John Carpenter's also. I mean, he's a master. Yeah. Absolute master. And like, I could watch his films. I mean, I love him his film so much but like he master storyteller doesn't get into you know so he just wasting time on film he just master but like that's exposition i like but if the characters are just sitting around talking heads i want to go to sleep you know? <laughs> yeah i feel like every character in these movies were so specific and individual they were all individuals exactly. so you knew exactly you weren't you weren't exactly. confused by who was talking or what who the character I mean, was um and i really want to I, I, Mifune, first of all, he's a, he's excellent. Um, the this yeah. actor can speak or could speak volumes with his eyes. Um, he didn't need to say much at all in these films, and he was. But even when he spoke, it was it was incredibly powerful. That gritty voice he's got, you know. Right. <laughs> He's playing three different types of guys in these totally movies, different, which mm-hmm. make completely different, convinced, completely convincing each guy. And the way he walks around as Gondo just strides through this house like a bull. Yeah, <laughs> very subtle and um, and stray dog. And he's he's racked with guilt and he's you know he's like he's he's forceful, he's purposeful. He's he's got he you know he he's got he's got to find this gun in the basket. Well, he's very mm-hmm. meticulous and calculated you know doesn't say much and which what's interesting about Mufune is he could have played like the head cop and uh high and low he could have mm-hmm. played the head inspector but you know because i could i was watching going you know he could have played any <laughs> one of these parts you know but like gondo's like you know Kingo Gongo, <laughs> yeah. gondo how do you how do you not play that but it's just but he's like he's so good I, I mean, and another actor I love a lot that was in all the Kurosawa movies with the Takashi Takashi uh, Shimura. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like in 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 High and Low, you could have imagined Takashi Shimura playing the Gondo role, right? And then, and then exactly. even Mifune play exactly. the, the, the he, detective. He he had much a much more in the background role in High and Low than he did, mm-hmm. especially in Stray Dog. It's, I mean, Stray Dog, he was the Morgan Freeman to. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to Brad Pitt. Yeah, but, but really, like his only real like lines in High and Low were okay. Let's uh, summarize exactly what all the investigations have brought together, and that's kind of what he he did in that movie. Well, he has a really great scene in the Bad Sleep Well when he finds that photograph when he sees that when she's explaining it to him and the anticipation. Oh, I love that cut that they did too, and yeah. they showed like him and him in the background, yeah. and yeah, yeah, he's he's. <laughs> really excellent he was he was really really great great actor i mean kurosawa was i mean he had the his stock company is i don't think anybody not too many people had a stock company like that you know there were a lot of great stock companies directors were loyal to certain people that worked for him but kurosawa i mean you it was always a special moment in the movie where you saw takashi samari like oh there there he is you know and then he then his roles got you know, you know, small because he has like barely a little role in Hidden Fortress, 
And then like he's actually, I think the last Kurosawa movie he's in is actually Kagamusha. He was in most of Kurosawa's movies. He was in something like more than any other actor. Yeah. He was in his first movie. And then Kurosawa's first movie out of uh, sort of his forced retirement, the Kagamusha, like you're saying, which which ended up being Takashi Shimura's yeah. almost last movie. Was uh, Stray Dog, was this Mifune's first Kurosawa film? No, that was uh, Drunken Angel. Drunken uh, Angel. Which was a yeah. film or two before this. Ah, oh, got it. But he he is just he's he's a he's just a young, uh, young actor. It seems like he's just kind of coming into his own as this like on screen presence, and he owns it, you know, um, from yeah. from the get go. And it's interesting because his character is a little bit anxious and a little bit timid in many ways. Can't really can't really get out of yeah. like, I think the emotional side of being a cop, and he's a little bit too attached to that or too yeah. and. Well, well, but but also like this. This is this is one of those things that like that that Kurosawa also does well is just like find a way to dramatize the the themes that he's he's exploring, and the Mafune character is doing exactly that, right? It's like the um the the amount of guilt he feels about this person going on a crime spree with his gun and his bullets, mm-hmm. um, is uh you know, it's it's torturing him the whole time. It's um and and it's not just about like oh it's the rookie uh, learning the ropes right it's like his his like experience his uh, starting experience doing this thing is uh, having to you know deal with that level of guilt and um, you right. know it, expressing exactly what is wrong with uh, his whole profession his, his whole thing mm-hmm. yeah it's all. That you sort of built into into what he's he's going through in in this movie, and I, and I think it, it sort of like summed up a little bit in in the way uh, the movie ends in particular. Like, you know, like so the, the whole time it's sort of it's haunting him. The the gun ends up shooting his partner. Uh, you know, it's used on these different crimes. Um, he gets shot with the gun. You know, because the, the the whole conceit of the movie <laughs> is that you know he he loses a gun and uh, in a country where uh, you know. You can't buy a gun at a school. They came yeah. up 1949, folks. And everything that the gun, you know, does in the movie, uh, it you know only makes him feel more guilty for having lost it in the first place. Um, but what's crazy is that, like, you know, Takashi Shimura gives him that little, you know, bedside speech at the end there about how there's, you know, like, hey, don't 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 feel too bad uh, that you know we had to put this bad guy away. There's always going to be another bad guy, um, you know. Um, you're going to, as you get more seasoned as a cop, you're going to feel less bad about the yeah. things that you do. Right. But, but him yeah. going through this in this movie, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to end up feeling, you know, easier about it or, or, or better about it the way that Takashi Shimura did. You know, Mifune, when he finally caught up with the guy who had the gun, uh, you know, could have given him the dirty hairy treatment. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and just like beat the shit out of him yeah. or whatever, but he—that's not the way he handled it. You know, and perhaps the speech by Takashi Shimura at the end was trying to convince him that that's how he needs to act, but that—that that it was like you know antithetical to his nature, to his character. You mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I I think the way that I took the ending of that was that he he was not fit for for that position, um, and it, he would have been too emotional moving forward even after that case. You know, it's like I I don't think he um, was going to be the type of cop that Shimura ended up being. But, but but how great was it that like this movie explored this idea that like just having a gun 
in this world like incites violence in theory him having that gun was supposed to be for you know defense or for you know in, enforcing the law and whatever else but just having it and then it, it gets out there like it it becomes the pro- the propellant for the entire movie it becomes the thing that like causes all of the sort of you know harm and misery in the movie or at least mm-hmm. that the were shown uh but but just its mere presence yeah. uh sort of incites violence and creates violence and i thought it was interesting that they chose a, a small cult to 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 be that like very important you know very violent thing no matter you know it was just one of uh-huh. those little like snub nose i don't think it's a snub nose but those cults were like you know, little prostitute guns, you know, like what we were talking about in like other movies, you know, yeah. and like, it, it's like this little gun, it got taken from him and then it caused all this havoc and especially right. for him. There were a bunch of things in, in Stray Dog that I had, I had totally forgotten about uh, and just how sort of, you know, sort of film noir it was, you know, with, with the language and everything else. Like that, they referred to the that sort of uh, the dancer, the like the flapper dancer, uh, as the the pistol dealer's mole. You know, it's like you know the, this uh, old term for uh, for you know a young woman. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had all these lines about like you're as slippery as the eels on the menu here, right? It's like you know, all this like great like pulp language. Clearly, Kurosawa loved the pulps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yojimbo, probably one of his most famous movies, ripped off. A pulp uh, novel, the Dashiell Hammett's uh, Red Harvest. Yeah, and uh, you know, High and Low was was based on an Ed McBain. Although I guess kind of like Yojimbo, he kind of you know took the core idea and then just ran with it and kind of threw everything else out. But uh, w- one last quick thing on on the on the guilt thing with the gun was like you know talking about Mafune's character. It's like he he had that, had that exchange in the middle of the movie when when he went over for dinner uh, at Takashi Shimura's house. And it was talking about how, like, you know, there's no bad men, only bad situations. And he's like, I, I, I feel bad for this guy who's uh, who stole the gun. Like, that also sort of bolsters uh, the, the idea that, like, at the end of the movie, maybe he's not going to be uh, turned into the detective uh, Saito or whatever the Takashi Shimura's, uh, you know, character's name was. Yeah. Or, yeah, Soto, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't think he had he had that hardened um, future in his life. Mm-hmm. I think that he was probably going to choose a different profession, to be honest. Yeah, and then I, I think as much as the Takashi Shimura, or sorry, the uh, the Toshiro Mifune character, as much as he was feeling the guilt throughout the entire movie in Stray Dog, it's so interesting to juxtapose that with him in Bad Sleep Well, where he's driven by this, you know pure revenge or whatever he has to keep a photo of his dead father like smashed With a broken the- <laughs> neck and blood all over it that they never show but that's they described yeah, it another yeah. thing like you're saying david he never shows but it's like you know he had to keep that to like stoke the flames of his like you know vengeance you know <laughs> and he's like obsessed with this right i mean think about it kurosawa basically gave all that to mifune to to wear on his face yeah not show an entire scene of him jumping out a window and all the glass breaking and and all that just actually just <laughs> there's a basketball game going on. No worries. i don't know if you heard it. it's funny what you show and what you tell and sometimes you don't need to show everything you don't need to tell everything you know and kurosawa was very good at knowing you know 
where to give and you know where to where you know where to go yeah. you know he he knew pacing i mean and like a lot of the guys that came out of the 70s like personally coppola really really i mean his pacing that first godfather mm. his pacing in that movie is so i mean both godfathers pacing is, is like phenomenal that class of the 70s that, that gave us all those movies those guys really you know when they were talking a course hour they weren't they weren't full of it they actually they absolutely studied you know what he was doing you know i mean i know lucas gets a rap because of those uh <laughs> the prequel movies but lucas's first three films he directed uh i would challenge any direct there's a lot of directors out there i'd say i don't know any directors that have three movies consecutive like that that good thx american graffiti and star wars i think those are three really they're great they're great those are great movies and um and same think about think about ridley scott's first three movies the duelist alien and blade runner i mean (laughs) you you can't get much better than that you know but like um you when you go with kurosawa and i want to watch drunken angel now because i actually have never seen that you know, so and I actually downloaded the I actually subscribed to the uh, Criterion channel and I love it. You know, that was yeah. why I was slower. <laughs> I was actually slower watching these because I was watching other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I saw they had all these Sam Fuller war movies on there. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. God, I got to watch this. You know, so they've got a lot of great stuff now, too. It's like they got the, that whole Western noir, uh, yeah. um, you know, playlist. Um, you know, it's got all kinds of great stuff. I, 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 I wanted to back up cause you said that it was hard for you to get through past the wedding. Um, originally when, when watching the bad sleep well, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion, um, I, I don't mean to disagree fully, but I do, um, only because once they brought out that cake <laughs> that looked exactly, like the building right, right. with the flower, like talking about visuals, right. Visual storytelling, um, that, right there intrigued me and like you you were talking about payoffs and 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 setups and things that kurosawa is great yeah. at that came through you know loud and clear by the end of the movie what that was you, and a, kind of a twist too it was great yeah you know what's funny is the first time i ever tried to watch best sleep well i didn't even get to the wedding cake <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and that's that's really embarrassing got but it i didn't even get to the wedding cake in like even now, because I, I actually started it before. I wanted to go in order. I started it before um, high, and low. Um, high and low, and uh, and then and then I said no. I said uh, I, I watched high and low, and then I was like, you know, wow, this is great. Then I came back to it. I got to the cake, and I was like, okay, this is really interesting because it was more about what I, what I loved about it was the reaction of the of the different characters when they saw the cake. Right, right. Right. The guilt. The, and yeah. then the old man, he, he didn't, yeah, the old man didn't react at all. Right. And like, right. what I really got from the bad sleep, well, what I really liked about it when I, when I finally got going and what I really, really liked about it was it's everything that we want to see in movies, really, because you want to see, I mean, in real life, you see ridiculous things happen with powerful people who are very bad and mm-hmm. nothing happens to them. Right. And the black, bad sleep well is at least you see what all this stuff this guy does. But at the end, you know, he's, he's yeah. still very, he's still very evil. 
but at least bummer his, ending yeah at least his children are like no 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 we're doing it but in real life that wouldn't happen because in real life they'd be like no our dad is so great you know yeah <laughs> yeah they, i mean they they kind of disowned him by the end right i mean so yeah, exactly. you know the, the i mean the crux of this one is that mufune's character isn't who he says he is this person yeah nishi right mm-hmm. yeah. um nishi, nishi is another person that he assumed the identity of um, took this role as the secretary to the vice president, um, Iwabuchi, um, of, yeah. of this corporation, public corporation, right? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Public corporation and uh, the other shoes. one was National Shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's funny because both of them yeah, sound like it. they'd be public companies. But yeah, exactly. Private fucking evil corporations. Like. <laughs> but man, God, how great of a pulp title is The Bad Sleep Well? Yes. I mean, not only is it, you know, it's a great theme, but just as a as a pulpy, you know, film noir yeah. st- uh, title, it's just it's so fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what it is in yeah. Japanese, but like the English translation is perfect. You, you know, the the story seemed familiar to me as I was watching watching it, and um, you know, looking online about the film afterward to try to you know prepare for this. This was very much inspired by Hamlet. And that's yes. kind of where where the basis for this story came from, and it that totally clicked for me. You know, the um, kind of the revenge for the the father that wasn't really or for, of the illegitimate son mm-hmm. avenging right. his father's oh, right. death. Okay. Um, yeah, um, yeah very was... interesting story. It, it, it's funny because this this would have been like the third uh, Shakespearean adaptation that he did, right? Yeah. It's like you know, um, Throne of Blood, Spider's Castle, Throne of Blood, uh, and yeah. then uh, and then Ron, of course, yeah. Yeah, Ron, yeah. Ron's Macbeth, right? uh, King Lear. Ron might, I I think I saw Ron before I saw Yojimbo. I actually saw Ron before I saw all the the older ones that were the the, the ones he was really famous for. Yeah. The last one I saw was Kagamusha. And and I was pretty, I was pretty floored by Kagamusha. Yeah, you know know what's funny? Like, (laughs) I I, I always feel like Kagemusha is like the the sort of test run for Ron. But I watched it again recently, and and, and you're right. It's so fucking good. Yeah, anyway, sorry. (laughs) It's funny. I've heard that. I've heard heard people say, like, that's his dress rehearsal for for Ron. And I'm like, wow, what a a dress rehearsal. Yeah. (laughs) Let's shoot the rehearsal. Wow. It's pretty good. (laughs) You know? I'm not sure, uh, Jeremy. You might have picked up on this, um, but at, at one point they they uh, in sorry. I'm going back to high and low. Don't don't mean to jump no, around, but I forgot about this yeah. point. Um, when they are listening to one of the phone recordings and they hear mm-hmm. the trolley, oh, did yeah. you get the fugitive out of there? Yeah, totally. Oh my god, I was like, totally. oh, that's the fugitive. That, <laughs> <Yeah>. that was <laughs> well. I mean, <laughs> so many excellent. movies I, I think ripped off uh, high and low. I mean, it's like. God, I mean, d- d- just on that for a second. Okay, obviously there's there's a you know ransom. It it it's very much like a sort of one to one ripoff. Only somehow doing it worse because it's yeah the the moral dilemma isn't do I pay for my own kid or do I pay for the chauffeur. my driver's kid. Uh, but then there's there's sort of like you know the house, the upstairs downstairs drama, the cowboys and Indians kids. Uh, you know you can definitely yeah. see the influence on Parasite. <laughs> yeah. The the very last shot uh, was also uh, Bong Joon Ho's uh, mother. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but um, there are so many sh- uh, shots in that where you can you can totally see where he was influenced on that one. Uh, the fucking pink smoke, 
Uh, yeah, that in, was in incredible. A movie, the pink smoke, <laughs> Schindler's List, like right, like the, the pink, the pink sweater she had. Yeah, it's 2021, and I'm going apeshit over some pink smoke <laughs> in a black and white film. And I was like, that was the best. That yeah. was incredible. That must have blown people's minds back in the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was so Most- impactful because it was, it was, it was those packets, right? The packets that were used yeah, to right, like right, when right, they right. burned the bag, like it sewed it into those. Uh, Two and a two and three quarter inch uh, bags. Talk yeah. about another payoff, right? Like it starts out with him. He's a shoemaker, right? And I'm like, so what does this have to do with anything? I even have a note here. It's shoes. And then uh-huh. I was like, and then it gets to the end or close to the end when he he uses his old toolkit to you know use his craft to help the police in their investigation. I thought that was awesome. Right. Like yeah, he, it he, could have been a totally wasted thing, you know? He, it and wasn't. He, and he he impresses them. He rolls. He literally. <laughs> Rolls his sleeves up, you know. That's that Mufuni. That's that Mufuni thing. Is he literally gets in there? And it's so funny. What's funny about Mufuni? My mom. My mom has been gone for since 2006, and I remember mm-hmm. I got when this is this is back way back in the day. We had we were we had on Saturdays Saturdays way back in the day. The independent film channel would show, they would show samurai movies, and my mom had started watching uh, the samurai movies because she watched all the westerns, and mm. when she discovered Toshiro Mifune and absolutely fell in love with him, and like <laughs> she, she just fell in love. Easy to do. And, like, Wonder why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she started reading books on him. I was like, yeah, because she just. I mean, because the thing is, it's, I I actually had a friend once i have actually it's so funny because i think one of the reasons jeremy asked me to do this because we had a discussion about the three indiana jones movies and he said he completely disagreed with my favorite but he totally got it but well, that's for another discussion but I had a friend no, no 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 that's that's gonna have to happen right now what, what's your <laughs> okay. favorite indiana temple of doom temple of doom yeah, I, that's what I figured. Um, I, yeah. I have so many friends that, that agree with you on that. And for the longest time, I did agree with you as well. Uh, I think it's <laughs> well, awesome. My, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, has, it has more to do with the fact that it is literally the most pul- pulpy, two-fisted yeah. one. And, and Indy is literally a grave Robert. Fortune and glory the whole time. I even uh-huh. love the Busby Berkeley thing at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And, no, um, that's probably one of the I best parts that. of the movie. Anything that goes. That, yeah. yeah. And what's crazy is, was like, my son, well, he's only three. He'll watch that whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> he loves that movie. Like, even the bugs and everything? He loves all that stuff? He sits that's and watches the whole movie. <laughs> and, and then I, I remember people were arguing with me about, you know, the kid you know short round and i said look uh-huh. man you know you know what's cool about the third picture is by the time he's with his contemporaries which would his, be his dad his dad is not impressed he's like you walk around looking like this this is what you think <laughs> archaeology is and even yeah. the first when he's talking to belloc belloc thinks he's ridiculous who would think andy's cool this right. little kid interesting but why wouldn't wow. he know him? yeah fortune and glory kid I want to go into 1941 real quick. I had friends telling me they hated that movie, and I just said, I cannot. The Spielberg movie? The, yeah, 1941 mm-hmm. Spielberg movie. Okay. And my friend was like, why, why, why? He said, everyone's screaming. It's just loud. It's just shots of people's faces screaming. And I said, uh-huh. that movie literally has a scene with Tashira Mifune, uh, Chris Christopher Lee, and Slim yes. Pickett on screen together. Yeah. Yeah. Really? 
together. <laughs> right. I said that alone, that scene <laughs> alone with them on the screen together. That alone. Like, All right, that's that's a great movie. That's one I've never seen from Spielberg. Um, I, I I've also heard mixed reviews. I highly recommend it. I say watch okay. it. I mean, I think it's. I think it's it is a lot of people on screen screaming into the camera, but it's it's still Spielberg, so it's very well made because he's such a he's such a good storyteller. I mean, he mm. he really knows how to put the camera. I mean, right. he does these insane wonders in that film. And it, and it was written by the two Bobs, uh, the the uh, Zemeckis and uh, what, what's his face from uh, from Back to the Future, and I want to hold your hand. And Bob Gale, yeah. Gale, yeah, thank you, and uh, and used cars. Like like that whole period for those guys was like when they used to do comedies, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and um, J- John Milius did some stuff on that. Oh, right. So that's a that's a really good. I mean, because those guys, um, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis. I mean, that Back to the Future stuff. I mean, there is a movie that has incredible, incredible exposition. I mean, how do you explain this stuff? And the way oh, they yeah. do exposition in that movie, those those movies. It's not that you don't like exposition. You just don't like bad exposition. I hate bad exposition. It's just Because <laughs> like... there's plenty of exposition. I mean, like, e- even in the bad sleep well, right? It's like, you know, you get right. the, the brother explaining exactly. how he fucked up his sister and feels really guilty yeah. about it. Uh, over you know, something in their childhood. Uh, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, and I think Mifune also goes through the whole his whole background when you find out the twist that he's not who he says he is, mm-hmm. that's a whole, that he's just a long speech yeah. that he might, right. There's no, like we, we don't see his father. We don't see any of that, that interaction right. either, outside of the funeral picture. I just hate it when it's bad. And I like, the, <laughs> I like the, I like the, the Kurosawa does long takes. So it'll be a take with a bunch of characters on screen and all the characters are doing stuff. He's right. not cutting to a character doing it. He's letting the characters be on screen and do stuff. It's like almost like a, a stage director where it's like he's able to like... I agree. Get you to like look at a certain part of the screen or, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like people would, would, would take, you know, the, the blocking worked out as, you know, a, someone would give a line of dialogue and then everyone would make a shift. Right. And like people would move or, or everyone and would then like stand up, right? It's right. Like, yeah. or, and then someone else would pop in. Um, specifically in The Bad Sleep Well, when um, it's Iwabuchi and Moriyama, like, when they come out of nowhere, they come out of like uh, screen left or camera left, mm-hmm. and they just kind of pop in there. But everyone's already in frame, but they're completely perfect. No one's blocking them mm-hmm. uh, in, in the frame or anything. It's just like laid out so masterfully. <laughs> I just kept pausing this movie, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, and also like speaking of like his like is like um, I don't know his theater company, you know Toshiro Mifune character, Toshiro Mifune's wife, and then uh, his brother-in-law were sort of like ported over uh, part and parcel into High and Low. Toshiro Mifune is like you know, his wife was was the same character or the same actress, and then uh, the brother-in-law was turned into his like assistant. But also just in terms of Mifune's like transformation from 1960 which is the black, bad sleep well to 1963 where he, you know he put on all that weight and like you know put you got the mustache going and like he just you know it it's not as if like okay well that's just where he was you know age and, and weight wise uh it, it, at that time it's just like you know he, he put that on for that character and you yeah. know it it totally paid off in the sense that like you could see the uh the hard scrabbled years uh just in that guy's face Especially like when he's on the train, 
and he's like holding those two briefcases his entire you know life. It's in that those briefcases. Yeah, you know, you, that you needed see to be that... seven point five millimeters big or whatever. <laughs> right, in the, yeah, right. just so it could fit through the window. Right, that was great. exactly. But yeah, like what what what's great about like the 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 band Sleep Well in particular uh, is something that like you know they addressed a little bit in in Stray Dog. They they t- barely touched on it in High and Low, which is sort of the effects of the war. The sort of yes. third act of the movie is all in the sort of bombed out munitions factory or whatever it was, uh, yeah. where uh, Nishi and they worked whatever his like his his, his buddy's name was. Uh, they they used to work, you know, where they were in the army. Like you know, you just, like, just rubble everywhere, all all over the place. One smokestack left. I mean, in high and high and low, it's like you know, it's like you know they, they barely mention it. It's like you know some people had been in the war. Uh, there were a bunch of GIs in that in that bar where the guy yes. was, you know had the heroin, uh, you know the, the little carnation to buy heroin. Um, and apparently, those are all actual GIs, uh, you know, stationed there, uh, all, all like sort of uh, paid extras from the the naval base or whatever. That was a great scene too. I mean, right. the way that was put together. <laughs> Lots going way. on in that scene. Yeah, and just I, them moving through. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really awesome. I had for, I had forgotten about that when because I've seen it so well, long. It, ago. It's crazy. Like like Lion Low just feels like you know three or four different movies, you know, yeah. somehow yeah. woven together. Like not smashed together, but woven together. Like you know, you, yes. you, think about, you think about something like like Full Metal Jacket. For as great as it mm. is, it's two separate movies, separate films, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like with, with nothing inter- interconnecting them. But, yeah. but, right? but yeah. this one like. Even though we see a clear divide between the the first hour and the sort of second hour, uh, where it's like you know the the two detectives are searching around for that phone booth, we look down in the river and we see this other guy walking the other way, and we start following yeah. the kidnapper, which is a really awesome yeah. scene. And apparently, it took yeah. them like a month to, to shoot that because they couldn't get the amount of like garbage in the river that they wanted or whatever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't yeah. like nail that. Despite the fact that, that that there's you know sort of two you know separate halves of this movie, like they're they're woven together like so seamlessly that you kind of forget that where you started off was sort of this uh, you know you know corporate um, you know kitchen sink drama uh, about you yeah. know are we going to do this merger or are we not you know are we going to get have this you know kidnapping work out or not and then we're just like we're following the detectives we're following the the kidnapper himself. Uh, in sort of a you know sort of omniscient view, I guess like it's not from the detective's perspective, and so it like it weaves all these different movies together, but does it seamlessly? You know, it's like you, you don't notice that you're yeah. <laughs> you've 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 like you know had the the torch passed uh, so many different times. It's interesting because, like you said, they could have done an entire movie about him taking over this shoe company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Kurosawa. So it would have been interesting <laughs> I, when you were talking about. The different things you saw similar in other movies i had was watching stray dog in the end where they're they're in that field and it's it's muddy i started thinking about black rain mm. remember the end of black rain <laughs> they wound up fighting in the same type with except it's more extreme you know yeah. but like with motorcycles and that and was the michael that. douglas uh yeah, the really yeah yeah really yeah. scott and uh, that's, I mean, that like, I mean, even though, you know, because it's totally 80s and it, so it's really, really neat. <laughs> it's a really neat picture that Ridley Scott had done in the 80s. But like, 
but like I was like, wow, I think Ridley Scott gave this a look before he, uh, he you know. <laughs> Um, what did you guys think of uh, the ending, uh, since we're talking about high and low, the ending of that, kind of a, a psycho ending in a way, um, oh, you know, yeah. with the, the villain resolution, if you will, not really resolution, but we find out what the, the total motive was. Speaking of exposition, I mean, that was... So apparently the way it was scripted, they had another scene between Gondo and the lead detective. They would, would catch up with one another, uh, the, the Tatsuya uh, Nakadai <laughs> character... Um, it was nice to see him play a good guy. Yeah, yeah, for once, <laughs> right? Um, they were gonna have another scene together. It was gonna be outside, and and the the idea was that like they were gonna kind of you know catch up on what's going on, and then they would look up at Gondo's old house, yeah, and and see it up there, and you know looking down on everybody, looking down on everybody, and like you know someone else is in there now. But uh, the kidnapper gave such an amazing performance that he was like, you know what? I think we're good. We're gonna end it right there. And, yeah. and it, it was, was great. It is sort of like the, the perfect place to, to end it. Uh, he, he has basically no lines when you see him uh, throughout the entire movie, and he just kind of explodes at the end in this right. performance. It's just, it, it's a great close to the film. <laughs> I really, I really like it because you see how far Gondo's come. Because in real life, why would he go? But in the movie, they give a reason that like, oh, I'm at a smaller shoe company, but you see the transition in Gondo when he gets on the floor and he starts, you know, sewing into those, those cases mm-hmm. because he's like, well, you know, my son is safe. Like, yeah, I'm going to be ruined and all, and all of that. But, you know, I can start because his, his attitude, well, I could start over, you know, because shoemakers you know, used to make bags too. I think yeah. he yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a really great thing. Just watching yeah. Mafuni work is like, he's, he, I mean, he was an incredible, incredible performer. <laughs> And like you said, great control over his face. I mean, well, you, you called could... him you called him a bull. I mean, at one yeah. point you said he, he felt like a bull, and 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 I was you know watching some interviews about him um, before this, and you know one of the things specifically in um, Ren Rashomon um, when he's you know the crazy the thief yeah. or whatever the yeah. thief yeah the thief he um, he was studying lions in order to get that like you know, crazy ass attitude that he's got in that like really boisterous, you know, um, you know, acting style. And so when you said bull, I mean, there's potential, right. That he's kind of taking on those, those manifestations. Yeah. Because he would, he would charge because he was charging through the house. He was the way he was moving. Cause there's a scene, there's the duel in hidden fortress. And it's really, there's he does this twice. There's the duel in hidden fortress when he wins, and then he uh, he the, smiles the, the, like the spear the spear incredible duel. fight yeah, yeah. oh man but then but but when he smiles at the general and walks off or at the beginning <laughs> at the the beginning of the of uh, the, the the right before he's about to throw down and um Yajimbo, when he cut he shows up and like they tell him to stop and they pull the gun and he smiles and he pulls his arms out of his uh out of his, his kimono, uh, out of his or... uh, yeah. kimono and then he, and then he just you know slices and dice but he smiles and yeah. you're like and just go man that was i mean you know <laughs> I, I i hate to go i, I don't want to go down this road because it's the whole other thing <laughs> all i wanted was i walked out of jedi when i was 10 so i was wait i've waited my whole life to see general skywalker all I wanted was to see General Skywalker <laughs> in the Ejembo moment. And like and they just said and they just said, No, he's gonna be on this 
planet and tell the audience he's waiting to die. And I just thought, who does that? You know, you motherfucker! Like, like you robbed me. Yeah, guy, but I, I, was, I was. You know, it was crazy because I heard all these people say all that about the, the prequels. You brought, you destroyed my childhood. I never took that stance <laughs> because my attitude was, uh, I had already gotten my three movies when I was a kid. So I, and all yeah. I cared about really, I mean, was it's a choice to watch these new ones. I don't know. Yeah, when they finally gave us, you know. The, the the sequels i thought i wanted i was like i don't want them so you know yeah but, well with, with, yeah, with, with, even... without kurosawa i don't think we'd ever had uh darth vader i don't think we'd ever had the <laughs> oh, force or any of that why, right because i they have they have the some of the films that inspired the 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 force ghosts on there so i want to i forgot what they're called but they're the, the judo trilogy i think so i'm gonna watch those but like, I'm gonna. I'm glad you know you got. You, I mean, because I was always on the fence the, with the Criterion channel. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then when Jeremy was like, "Well, you know," and I was like, "You know what? I'm just gonna do it." And like, so far, I'm loving it. So I'm just gonna watch all that stuff. This is a. This episode's been like, sponsored by the Criterion channel. <laughs> yeah, really, it's really good stuff, folks. Please like, make sure you sign up yeah. using <laughs> the Grindhouse Institute as your link. Yeah, I wish we had one yeah. of those. Um, <laughs> No, it, yeah. it it's it's definitely awesome. I and and you know, I think Brian, we were talking about right before we started recording, we're like how well they, you know, do their presentations. I mean, their their sort of compression and everything else. Like, you know, it it yeah, it, they're it, not they're not just slapping up exactly. a, an MP4 up on um or whatever it is on 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 a, a streaming service. They they really do seem to take their time. These movies in particular, yeah. high and low specific looked fantastic. Just crisp. Yeah. I feel like you could tell that they restored high and low. Um, so mm. Something that I feel, I feel like someone needs to do with uh, Stray Dog. Uh, just give it a good, solid restoration. Yeah. A couple quick things I wanted to talk about. Like we we didn't uh, to touch on this, but like Dave, like when some of the the first uh, you know movie arguments and and things that we've uh, we're talking about were surrounding like Batman. And I think uh, one of your like, your your favorite things was to bring up how the uh, the best uh, Batman was the cartoon, <laughs> the the animated series. I mean, oh yeah, that's without a doubt. But um, I think yeah. But uh, <laughs> but man, how much did the um, every time Mufune was driving people around in the bad sleep well, and they would all be talking to him, and he wouldn't respond? How much did that remind you of sort of like yeah. the? Vicky Vale talking to Batman on the way. Yeah, to the he turns the light on her. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you weigh more than a hundred and eight. <laughs> How much do you weigh? About a hundred and eight, I think. One thing we didn't fucking talk about that we absolutely need to is how amazing the I don't know what heroin zombie alley. Okay, uh, that was so was. last that man was... on earth, night of the living dead. I've got that written down yeah. there. Right. Yeah. Pre- predates out. them all and you know that it's like was really incredible not only was it just like this like master stroke to give the kidnapper those like mirrored sunglasses that like you know yeah. made him look uh you know unearthly like terminator ish um, yeah <laughs> yeah and you know you saw those like those like crazy reflections and those like sort of slits in the in the uh in, in the glasses because there's like that one sort of one shaft of light illuminating him but there was just that that moment, like right before he starts walking down that alley, 
where you keep hearing these like moans and groans of, yeah. of all the, the sort of heroin addicts and that, that With, alley. withdrawal, yeah, you know, experiencing withdrawal. Man, did that seem like uh, it had quite an influence on uh, on future zombie movies? You know what was great was he he put that um, they they had that makeup on that made them look gaunt, and clearly it was makeup. It wasn't prosthetics. It was mm-hmm. it was makeup, and they just shadow, looked, yeah. Yeah, and that was like, and Kurosawa always did that because he does that, and um, he did it in Kagamusha. There's sex sections. Of, there's a oh, dream sequence yeah. that looks like a Vincent van Gogh painting. Yeah. He Torres descent into madness, and Ron, he's got the makeup, and like, yeah, he was really, really good at that. And like, and it make it's like that thing that Orson Welles would do. Orson Welles loved makeup and fake right. noses, and, fake and noses. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff. <laughs> That stuff's a lot of fun when you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. That's why you know it's it's a ridiculous movie, but it's a lot of fun to watch. Is uh, Coppola's Dracula is a lot of fun because of all that stuff. <laughs> I love Coppola's it, Dracula. I love. I that. love it. Just he just yeah, does. Me too. I mean, I just think Coppola had he had a lot of fun making that movie, and it, and it shows on the screen. You know, he was he was trying all kinds of different things and. And I'm like, I really like how he did that. That was my favorite thing. Like you said, I'm glad you brought that up, the zombie scene, because I'm sorry, the heroin uh, alley scene. It's a zombie scene. I mean, let's, let's, it is a Night of the Living Dead scene. Yeah. Think about the staging where they move and they move toward camera and all of a sudden they move from silhouettes and then their faces are illuminated. Yeah. I mean, wow. That guy is like. That's kind of what I was talking about, where it's like he had those mirrored glasses. He's a total silhouette, you know, and all you see are these like these sort of like slits in his eyes because like there's this like one narrow light illuminating him, and then then he steps into the light and and you kind of see what what that whole thing meant, and you know it, and then he approaches the 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 woman uh, in withdrawal, uh, you know, who's really close to the camera, and, you know, and, and again this is all deep focus, right. Uh, and you know it, it was it was sort of beautiful uh, the way it was sort of portrayed, and and how uh, the cops are sort of turned away by uh, everyone in that alley. The main inspector, uh, the Tatsuya Nakadai, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, hey, uh, we could just arrest this guy and, and you know get him. We, we've already identified him, but. Only fifteen years. Let's right? just <laughs> let's just let's just see what he does real quick, and uh, and maybe we can get him on something that'll put him to death. And <laughs> yeah. and by doing that, he he kills somebody. Yeah, it's he kills like, that woman. Oh, it makes her OD, right? You fucking idiots! <laughs> like, so so I wanted I wanted to bring up in in terms of the makeup and stuff. Um, for for being older films, they, they these were very pretty violent. Um, you know, the makeup with the dope alley. Uh, the guy Shirai that was being haunted by the guy that committed suicide, Wada, mm-hmm. that would just show up. He started turning oh, pale yeah. and, yes. and gray over time. Um, yeah. And then at the end of the Bad Sleep Well, that car shot of the blood all over the car, yeah. like that was right. Not yeah. to mention the language that the people like. There's a lot of swearing in some of these movies. Like you yeah, wouldn't see was, that in a lot of movies around this no, time. Was, that was that was that was like whoa. He just said call people assholes. Edgy, yeah. very edgy. Yeah. yeah, assholes. Yeah, they said shit and assholes quite a bit. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. In like in you know, so right after Bad Sleep Well, he did Yojimbo and Sanjuro back to back, and then it was High and Low. Yojimbo is pretty violent. But Sanjuro in particular uh, just has this, you know, crazy 
uh, kill in it that um, certainly inspired a lot of whatever 20 minutes of Kill Bill, right? Where it's just like spraying blood yeah. everywhere. He wasn't uh, shy with sort of being able to push some of those things. But but you're right. I mean, it, I think in terms of what American movies were doing in 1960 mm-hmm. or 1963, you know, it wasn't quite there yet with uh, with where it would go. Like, I mean, the, the Wild Bunch, uh, you know, uh, Bonnie oh, and yeah. Clyde. Peck and Paw movies. Those yeah. are like, you know, very late 60s, like 68 and 69. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like the 70s, like, like things like sort of, you know, blossom from there. But... Um, in the early 60s, I mean, you're right. I mean, these types of things, like, you know, there'd be a lot of bloodless kills in, uh, <laughs> in movies before well, that. think about it. <laughs> Most of the Dollars trilogy, they, they just, they get shot, they spin, and then they, they fall, but they don't, mm-hmm. like, show a lot of blood. And, like, Peckinpah was the one who was like, all right. Squibs. You know, squibs. <laughs> I mean, when you do the Peckinpah but uh, podcast. I'm in. I'm, yeah. Right. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in right, next week awesome. we're doing Peck and Paul. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I have to. I will rewatch, but I really don't have because I, I, man, I remember I got into Peck and Paul. I read, I've read a number of books on Sam Peck and Paul. Just mm-hmm. the shooting of just him filming the Wild Bunch, just how insane he was on that shoot, trying to get it right. That one, and I remember when I finally got to see what I feel is his most, I guess, hundred percent, his purest expression is uh, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Oh, right. You know? I mean, that is like, that is, a, that's an experience. That film is a true experience, but like, Peck and, yeah, when you do the Peck and Paul and give me a call, when I do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Yeah. If they move, kill them. Aside from, uh, from, from the Peck and Paul world, which we'll definitely have to dive into a little more. I mean, before, you know, Tarantino, uh, or John Woo got influenced by Peckinpah. Peckinpah got influenced by, you know, Kurosawa. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was definitely one of those people who, like, you know, he was sort of, uh, I don't know if it was kind of a criticism, but he was uh, considered, in Japan anyway, one of the more Which, Western directors. Right? Yeah. Like, he, he had the, the sensibilities uh, more so of, like, you know, John Ford or something. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, th- that was obviously, you know, part of his influence. But you know, I, I think, like you were you were saying earlier, uh, David, like the um, all those uh, those uh, you know samurai movies are are definitely for for another discussion. Uh, in 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 these ones in particular, um, it was it was pretty exciting to see that ill-defined genre of film noir sort of being interpreted uh, by Kurosawa. Like again, like sort of reflecting on his own culture, and you know definitely criticizing where he saw like the American military presence in Japan yeah. post-war uh, you know, the way that, you know, uh, corporate monopolies and, you know, terrible, uh, you know, situations were, were popping up. The motivation I was talking about earlier with like the police wanting to uh, give the kidnapper uh, a bigger uh, sentence uh, was also, you know, something Kurosawa was, uh, you know, excited about. He wanted to have the, the punishment for kidnapping be more than 15 years. Uh, yeah. you know, I guess that some of his like, is like you know, more vengeful side, it, which is interesting because, you know, normally those are the types of things that I feel like he is criticizing in his movies. Uh, but it seems like he wanted to, uh, expand the, uh, the levels of punishment, uh, yeah. in, in, uh, in his ex- exploration of high and low anyway. It's interesting because there's still there's cynicism, but there's still optimism 
in these three films. And by mm. the time he gets to the end, there's no optimism anymore. It's just, it's yeah. just the, the bad sleep. Well, was, it was a, a definite bummer. Um, I texted yeah. Jeremy. I was like, this movie was my favorite until the ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just cause yeah. I loved his character, you know? Yeah. And it was just, but you know, Kurosawa had gotten there and, um, he, he was, he was so brilliant. I, I just, and I'm glad I, you know, once again, uh, you know, subscribe to this, this app and I'm going to be, I want to watch, I really want to watch Drunken Angel now and I've never seen Akira. So I want to see Akira. I've never oh, watched yeah. that one. Yeah, you, so, you definitely should. It's, it's, it's less, um, sort of, you know, cynical and, um, you know, despairing than these movies or Ron mm-hmm. or, or, or some of the other, uh, you know, Kurosawa movies where he, He's feeling some kind of way about things. Yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 certainly depressing, but I, I think it has um, a little more optimism than uh, <laughs> at least uh, Bad Sleep Well and and uh, High and Low uh, did uh, for, for for these movies. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so uh, to recap the show, yet again an, an amazing show, we watched Stray Dog from 1949, The Bad Sleep Well from 1960, and High and Low from 1963, all of Akira Kurosawa's, um, or some of his film noir from this era. Um, what an excellent block. David, thank you so much for joining us for this one. Uh, your knowledge of Kurosawa was definitely welcome on the pod. We love that. Um, do you have anywhere that you'd like us or the listeners to follow you or to check you out online? All right, you can check out my um, my art Instagram. It's Grit Men's Adventure, and I have a bunch of cool artwork I do on there, and I'll send it to you guys too. And um, that's about it. Excellent. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a little uh, link in the description too, so make it easy for everybody. Perfect. All right, next week, we will be focusing on a block uh, specifically around filmmaker Chloe Zhao. Uh, Three films, Songs My Brothers Taught Me, The Rider, and Nomadland. Nomadland came out out last year, is that correct? Yeah, or early this year. Uh, Earlier this year, yeah. It's very recent. It was very recent. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so that's great. This is probably the most recent movie we've had on on the pod, so that's fantastic. I think the last time we had a movie this recent was The Hunt. So that was... Yeah, The Hunt. (laughs) All the way back in episode (laughs) two. But um, yeah, that'll be a fun one. Uh, It's sort of just the opposite of uh, what we were experiencing with uh, Kurosawa looking at his own society. What will be interesting, I think, is uh, how Chloe Zhao sees our society. Uh, as a sort of a, you know this uh, you know removed or, or sort of third party uh, you know point of view on that, uh, and uh, and we'll have Daniel Ross back uh, to to take us through all that. So it should be exciting. Sounds great. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe and follow us on all the podcasts and social platforms at the Grindhouse Institute. And if you really want to give us a boost, check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It helps us to get noticed. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll be back next week. Ciao. I'm <laughs> 